Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Who's ready to jump into God's Word? There we go. If you got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you got something to write something down, I just encourage you. The Lord will speak to you, okay? Write it down, okay? Go back to it this week. When the Lord speaks to you on a Sunday morning, go back to it later that week. Ask the Lord to, you know, develop that more. Ask the Lord to reveal more about what he spoke to you on on that Sunday. Uh, If you're taking notes, we're gonna title this Side Effects, okay? Next few weeks, before we get into this table series, I'm gonna just do a little series that I'm calling Side Effects. Um, Let me ask this. Any of you ever had a side effect before? Okay. Um, I'm gonna throw up a, a quick picture real quick here. This was Michael, okay, <laughs> a few months ago. Um, he ate some peanuts, and within um, a minute, I thought his face was gonna explode. It was like that moment in Willy Wonka when the girl like starts to expand, you know what I mean? And I was like, Michael, your face, you know? And he's like, oh, I'm okay, I'm all right. I'm like, no, no, we're not okay. Like. We probably need to go to the hospital right now, like, you know, and so Jess took him to the hospital, and it was an ordeal, and they had to get him EpiPen, and, you know, he had a side effect, you know. A couple months ago, I took uh, some meds uh, for the first time, and I had a side effect, and all of a sudden, you know, my sinuses swelled, and I became super anxious, and I got these crazy body aches, like I thought I had the flu, but it was just a side effect. And, and the definition of a side effect is this, an unwanted, unexpected result. An unwanted, and unexpected result. Why? Because it's, we've taken something into our body that we're allergic to. Now, this can happen in our life with God, too, okay? There are things that we can ingest into our spirit. There are things that we can ingest into our life with God that brings an unwanted result. It's a side effect to the world, and it changes who we are. And so that's what we're going to jump into today. So come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is sharp. It's a double-edged sword. We thank you, God, it comes to bring us life and blessing, but to also correct and to heal and restore us. And Lord, we submit ourselves to your word and your truth to lead and guide us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Get real loud for the worship team this morning. Come on. You're good, bro. Yeah, listen, this man has a broken finger, and he is playing the keys today. Come on, come on. Thank you, you're good. All right, Uh, we're gonna kind of jump around uh, some different places in the Bible today, so we're gonna start with this. Exodus chapter 20, okay? Exodus chapter 20, verse three. It says this, you must not, gotta love when when a passage starts that way, You must not, this right here is not a suggestion. This is not a feel good, you know, little comment. 
This isn't uh, maybe you should do this, maybe you shouldn't do this. This is a commandment. This is God being God. And sometimes I think we need to come to a place where we go, yeah, I'm gonna allow God to be actually God in my life, the supreme authority of my life, of my future, of my home. Oh man, I didn't get any amens on that. You're all like, oh, I don't know about that, okay? It says, you must not have any other God, not big God, right? Because there's, there's a lot of gods, right? Because there's a lot of what? There's a lot of man-made gods, right? Why are there man-made gods? Well, they're, they're there to what? Deceive and trick us from the God. So he says, no other God, little g, but me. You must not for yourself have any idol of any kind or any image of anything in heaven or in earth or in the sea. You must not, what? Bow down to worship them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. This is a really interesting. I mean, we don't equate jealousy in a, in a good way. Yet God goes, I'm jealous for what? For your heart. I'm jealous for you. I mean, he's your creator, the author of your life. He is jealous for your attention, your time to be close to you. He says, I'm a jealous God. It says this, I love this. Who will not tolerate? You ever said that to your children before? We will not tolerate tolerate this behavior in here any longer, right? You know, like the other day, uh, Ben and Luke, they will just go at it sometimes. And it's more like play. It's not like, you know, I'm gonna kill you and destroy you. But, but Luke has a scream that could be on movies, okay? I promise you. I mean, it is just ear-piercing, just so crazy loud, like the windows are gonna break. And he is just screaming at the top of you. You would think that he is being tortured and he's actually like being tickled by Ben or something, you know what I mean? And I just came in the room like, no more. This, this has got to end. This is insane, right? This is God going, no more. No more, I won't tolerate this. What? Your affection for other gods. I read this the other day. I thought this connected to this verse so well. It says this, we as humans are designed to worship the divine, okay? That, that's how God created us, to worship the divine. Who is divine? It's Jesus. He's divine. He's the one worthy to be worshiped, okay? Now, we replace the divine. We replace Jesus for a lot of different things in this world to worship, okay? So it said this, we as humans are designed to worship the divine, if we don't, as humans, worship the divine, you will worship the mundane and the profane. So what is he saying? You're gonna worship culture and you're gonna worship evil. If you don't worship Jesus, you will worship something. You'll worship these things, okay? It says this, you'll worship your identity, you'll worship your belongings, you'll worship culture, you'll worship your sports teams, your artists, you will worship the system designed to what? to distract you from what? Worshiping Jesus, okay? The enemy has one goal. If I can just distract you, 
enough from worshiping the actual thing that deserves worship. If I can grab your attention, if I can take your heart, if I can take your affection, if I can take your time away from these things. So God is saying this. I'm not going to tolerate this, okay? What's he saying? I'm not going to tolerate your affection, right? What is your affection? What's it tied to? It's tied to your heart, right? Your affections are tied to your heart, I would, I'll even go as far as to say your affections are tied to your bank account, right? Whatever you love, your bank account will show. It, I promise you. So God's going, I won't allow your affections, your heart to be somewhere else. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 15, verse eight. He says, those, those people, I love how he says, those people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He's going, hey, man, there's a lot of people that are really good at professing, yeah, I believe in Jesus. They're really good at worshiping in the moments where worship's awesome, right? They're really good at professing, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, but he goes, I, I don't look at their lips. Isn't that funny? God goes, I don't care as much about what you say, but, but about who you are. That's what I care about. What's in your heart? Where is your affection? And listen, we've all felt this at times before. We've all had this feeling where we know that somebody that should have affection for us doesn't have affection for us anymore. You know, I remember in high school, I was dating this girl, and she lived in Iowa. Long story, I lived in Illinois. We did long distance, and, and, and we were together for a couple years, and I remember it was springtime, and it was, her, it was her prom, her senior prom, and so I drive my little 1983 Toyota Corolla that looked like a turd on wheels, okay? And I promise you, it did. It's just brown, nasty, rusty little car. I drive this little car uh, to Iowa to take her to her prom, and I get my tux, and I'm already and you know I like make it just kind of last minute meet her at the prom and I remember I met her at the prom and as soon as I came into contact with her I knew something was up she didn't want to be next to me she didn't want to hold my hand she didn't want to kiss me she didn't want to dance with me she didn't want to take pictures with me some of her friends wanted to take pictures and dance with me, and I was all about that. I was like, oh, fine. If you don't want to dance with me, listen, I'll get some love somewhere else, right? Yeah. What, what, what was the problem? The problem was this. Her affection wasn't with me any longer. It was with somebody else, right? The problem was her heart wasn't with me any longer. It was somewhere else. Found out that night it was very much somewhere else, okay? They've been somewhere else for a while. Jesus deals with this in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verse 31. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. It says, so then, forsake your worries. Why does Jesus say, forsake your worries? Why does he start here? Because he's saying, for some of you, worry is actually a God that you worship. This culture right now, right? 
we've made it so okay. And listen, I, I want to be really careful when I say this, but I also want to challenge you when I say this. Because on one end, I want to be really, really sensitive and careful to understand that Yes, there are many, many people dealing with deep trauma in their life, and they are dealing with anxiety and, and real fear, and they're dealing with some really, really deep stuff. And if you are, I encourage you. I've talked about it myself. I am right now in a season where I'm in, in some wonderful, let me say this, Christian counseling. Wonderful Christian counseling to to work through some of the trauma that I went through in my childhood and some of the things that has come into my life from that. But at the same time, we're such a culture that now wants to identify with things. And, And somehow we've made it okay to go, my identification is with worry. This is who I am. And, 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 and I'm just going to be really honest and challenge you as believers in Jesus, okay? Believers in the word of God. It is not okay to identify with worry or fear or anxiety and speak those things that that is who you are. It is not who you are. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus, right? The spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in you to bring you victory. Amen? Right? That is not who you are. Hear my voice. Hear the voice of the Lord. That is not who you are. So Jesus goes, forsake worry. That's not your God. You don't serve worry, okay? Why would you say, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? For this is what unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know all the things your body requires? So point number one today is this. What do you worship? What do you worship? I don't know if you've experienced this in life, but I know I've had enough moments now in my life that I know this. This is something that I just know it. It's deep in my soul. It's a conviction in me. I I know this. I know that the things that I obsess about, anybody have some obsessive tendencies or just me? Okay, thanks, Jake. Just one of you. Awesome. Thank you. Jake's going to heaven. The rest of you aren't. Okay, all right. All lying in church, okay? We get obsessive about some stuff. You know, I don't know how it happens. Like every football season, you know, like I become a meatball again. You know what I mean? And, and I'm just like obsessive about everything Justin Fields right now. I know like everybody is obsessive about Joe Burrow's calf right now. I mean, some of you would actually give your calf to him to, to use, you know. We become obsessive about things, Right? I'll become obsessive about things or I'll become that person that like searches social media to find what I'm looking for, right? I gotta I got find it. I'm searching for it. You know, we become, there's these moments in our life where we spend more time researching something that we, than we would ever want anybody to know, Right? Like some of you have researched fishing lures to a degree and a time that you would be embarrassed if it was on this screen. You'd be like, I can't believe I spent that much time on fishing lures. 
right? But, but we become obsessive, and in our obsession, it actually turns into what? It turns into almost like, what? Worship. It becomes worship. And here's the thing that I know. The things and the moments that I personally enjoy the most are never the moments that I've obsessed about or over-searched or over-researched you know, about. It's always the moments that it's just God providing and dropping it in my lap. I should have got a good amen on that, okay? I'm gonna put up a picture, and this is not a flex or anything. Don't, don't treat me like that, okay? So, so we, we got to go to the Inter-Miami game, and I know they beat FC, and you know, don't, don't talk to me about that. I don't, I don't really care one way or the other, okay? But we're on our trip, and, and I just see that they're playing. And they're playing the next day. And I'm like, you know, like, this is like Messi, if you're familiar with soccer. He's like the greatest soccer player in the world. Like, this is his second game. And I'm like, and I told Justin, I was like, man, that'd be so cool to go see that. You know, like, I've never been to a soccer game. And I was like, I'm sure. I was like, I am sure this thing is sold out. Like, sure. And Justin was like, why don't you just check? And I was like, we're just in this, like, breakfast restaurant. And so I just pull it up, I check. And sure enough, there are two open seats at the very top of the stadium. It's like, what? The Lord just dropped it in my lap. I didn't obsess about this. I didn't over-research this. I didn't, I didn't spend a gobs amount of time trying to figure this out. God just dropped it in my lap. Now, I'll tell you, I've never sweat like I've sweat at that moment at the top I remember at one point looking at my legs and Jessica's legs, and I thought somebody had poured water onto our legs because at the top of the stadium, the sun was just peeking over and just barreling down on us. But guess what? It was awesome. We had the best time. There was people drumming and chanting. Every time Messi scored, I remember watching these little boys. They were like foreign boys and stuff. They would, they would, he would score because he scored like three times a night. They would start crying. They'd be like, Missy, Missy. And I'd be like, holy cow, I'm here with these kids, right? right? They're freaking out. God just dropped it in my lap. Right? What, why does God do that? Because he's a good God. He's a good father. This is why he says, I already know everything. I, I know what will make you happy. I know what will bless you. I know, but the other moments, the other moments we obsess about, aka worship, they're not as enjoyable. Have you realized that they're not enjoyable? Like, you'll obsess about it, and you'll claw and grab everything to get it, and then once you get it, you're like, why am I not happy? Why am I not satisfied? Well, because you were worshiping that, and that always leads to what? Death. Because any time... Anytime you worship something other than Jesus, it will lead to death. Amen? Come on, somebody. You're like, man, this is a good word today, Pastor Jeff. All right, verse 33. So above all, consistently seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these less important things, right? I don't know what I just broke right there. All these less important things 
will be given to you in abundance. Come on. It's a great word. Jesus says, I'll give them to you, right? Point number two is this. Principle first. Jesus gives us keys to success without death. I'm gonna say that again. Jesus gives us the keys to success without death. Because you can find death, and I mean, you can find success, and you can make things happen in your life at the cost of sometimes losing your marriage. How many successful people have you talked to that have had two or three marriages? They're chasing the dollar, they're chasing money, they're chasing success, they're chasing power, right? You can have success sometimes, though, at the cost of losing your children, that your children don't love Jesus and they don't wanna be around you anymore, right? You can, you can find success at the cost of being on a zillion different meds to deal with your anxiety and your worry and your fear and everything, right? See, I think a lot of times we look at people in the world and we go, man, they're super successful and they're rich and they're powerful and and look at all that they have. At what cost? And we're not even talking about their soul, right? We're not even talking about that Jesus said it's harder for a rich person to go through the eye of a needle, right? Right, why? Because they think they have it all. So Jesus goes, I'm gonna give you the keys to success without death. And the key is what? He says this, I'm first. Seek me first. I'm first. I'm first in everything. Your affection, your heart, it's gotta be me first. He says, when I'm first, okay, meaning this, I'm making time and room. Anything that's first in your life, you will make time for, right? Like, I have to make appointments to pray, right? Some of you are like, I I got an appointment with my girlfriends uh, to have breakfast. You're like, how do I never have time to pray? Because you don't make it an important thing. It's not an appointment. I make an appointment. This is my time. I gotta make time, because I, I wanna be next to him. I wanna know him, right? I gotta make room in my heart. Listen, God's not upset with me that I like the Chicago Bears, okay? That, that's not an issue. As long as he has my heart, as long as that the majority of my heart is him, So you gotta make time and room in your heart. And then sometimes when you make time and room in your heart, God comes in and goes, all right, we're gonna have to rearrange some stuff in here, right? So it's like verses like this, 1 Peter 5, verse six through seven, it says this, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. What is he speaking about? He's talking about prayer. Some of you, look, it has been scientifically proven that people who pray are less stressed. It's scientifically proven. Why? Because you're releasing things that you're not designed to carry. I I gotta make time to pray. I gotta make time, and listen, I I understand that we don't, I I don't always have, you know, hours on end every day to pray. 
But I always have 20 minutes somewhere in my day to talk to the Lord. Somewhere and sometime in that day, I got to make time. I got to make room in my heart. I got to give him opportunity. I got to I gotta humble myself. Do you know how good it is to humble yourself? How healthy it is for you to go, you're God and I'm not, and I worship you. I'm about to trip again, right? Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. God, Jesus is going, listen, when I'm first, then I'm gonna feed you my thoughts. I know you all get newsletters from school and, and your work and emails and you're reading a bazillion things a day and you're taking in podcasts and you're taking in different information all day. You gotta take in the word of God. You gotta renew this, right? This gets real dull sometimes. It gets foggy, it gets clouded. Why? Because you have no word of God. There's no God perspective. You gotta make time for that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verse six through seven says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously gets a generous crop. Each of you must decide in your own heart how much to give. And if you don't give reluctantly in pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Listen, he's going, people that put me first, first, they're generous people. Why? Because God's generous. See, he's saying this. When I'm first, when you worship me and you get the other guys, gods out of here, all the less important things that you make so important, I'll actually bring to you because they won't, they won't rule your heart any longer. Let me show you how, how God showed me this, okay? John chapter, five, John chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, Jesus sat down, and when he looked and he saw the massive crowd of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near to him. Now, I want you to write this down today. I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I want to be near to Jesus? Do I want to be near to Jesus? Not do I want to be religious. Not do I want to have a really good church worship experience. And I want you to have that. I think sometimes you think that, like, Sunday mornings just happen. <laughs> this just all happens somehow. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot that goes into making these Sundays great. But it's only to lead you to Jesus. It's, it's like a handoff. It's like, God, we did our part and we brought them. Now, here you go, Jesus, you do your part. I hope you want to be near to Jesus. Now, a lot of times people don't want to be near to Jesus because they think that God is angry with them or frustrated, disappointed with some decisions. Right? Because think about when you were growing up and, and your parents were angry or frustrated at you. Did you want to be next to them? What would you do? You'd go to your room, slam your door, right? I'll show you. I'm going to slam this door so hard, right? Isn't that so funny, our perspective? I'm going to show you how I think. You know what I mean? We wanted to get away from them. 
This happens in our relationship with Jesus. We think God's angry with us. We think God's frustrated with us. We think God is bringing, you know, we feel this guilt and shame, and, and so we don't want to be close to him. It's the farthest thing from the truth. God wants to be close to you. Every, I can show you so many times in the New Testament. The prostitute, the woman at the well, right? Zacchaeus, people living in sin. Jesus wanted to be close to them. Do you want to be close to Jesus? So he turned to Philip and he said this. Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he said this to stretch, to stretch Philip's faith, okay? What's Jesus looking for in the earth? He's looking for people with faith. He's looking and going, do the people of Elevate Church want to be next to me, and do they have faith? Do the people of Elevate Church, do they want to be next to me? Do they have faith? And Philip answered this way. He said, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack. So this is what Philip wanted to do. He wanted to hand out snacks. Like it's snack time, right? Like, like we're back in the preschool, Elevate Church, right? All those kids get real excited. Snack time. We got the goldfish. Jesus is asking them, hey, where are we going to buy enough food? There's a bunch of hungry people here. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I'm not looking for goldfish, right? Like, you're going to leave here today, and you're like, man, we need some food, Right? You're like, we some hungry people, right? I've been with you at a restaurant. Y'all can eat, right? Okay. Philip goes, maybe we can get him a snack. Okay. This is his answer to Jesus. He says, maybe we can get him a snack because it would cost us $1,000 to buy enough food. So what does that equate to? Well, it equates to this, around 200 pieces of silver, which today, in today's terms, means this. It would cost about eight months' worth of wages. There's so many people that want to be next to Jesus, hear Jesus, and they're tired and they're hungry, and Jesus wants to feed them. That's what I love. I love the heart of the God. The heart of God wants to feed you. The heart of God wants to bless you. The heart of God wants to take care of you. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, right? So the heart of God wants to bless you. So he wants to feed them, right? But it's gonna cost, you know, 200 pieces of silver. It's gonna cost eight months wages to feed this big crowd. Now here's what's interesting. Philip never really answers the question. You ever talk to somebody like that before? You ask them a question, and they just give you a roundabout answer, and you're like, you didn't answer the question. Like, yes, I did. Like, no, you didn't. You clearly didn't answer this question. Philip doesn't answer the question. Philip is concerned about one thing. How much is it gonna cost? Right? What's it gonna cost? How much money? But here's the interesting thing. 
Jesus never asked Philip how much it's going to cost. Right? What did he ask him? Where? Where? You see the language? He never asked him. He never said, hey, how much is this going to cost? He said, where? Where are we going to get enough bread? Where is there a place that we can go that there's enough bread? Where can we find enough bread to feed all these people? Jesus is doing what? He's looking to Philip to go, what do you worship? What do you worship? Do you worship me, the provider? Because one of God's names is this, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jesus is going, remember, when you worship me, I'll make all these things come to you in abundance. When you worship me, when I'm first in your life, he's looking at Philip and he's going, who do you worship? Because Philip's response is, he's worshiping what? He's worshiping money. How will we get enough money? He's not worshiping the source. Because here's what I know. If you really believe that everything, everything, everything comes from God, right? Everything does. And I believe that for me. I believe that everything I own comes from God. I believe that everything I have comes from God. I believe the air that I breathe today comes from God. I believe that the sun that rose today came from God. I believe that every day is a gift from God. I believe that every moment with my children is a moment and a gift from God. I believe that everything I have comes from him, my source. But when you don't worship the source, you will worship lesser things like money. And he's going, Philip, what are you going to worship? He's testing him. He's stretching him. He's going, who and what will you worship, Philip? Because Jesus is going, I'm here to supply everything. There's nothing I can't supply. I'm the creator of this world. I'm the creator of this universe. I hold the world in the palm of my hand. Do you know, do you know if that if this world got off kilter by like one degree, we would burn up? God's holding us in the palm of his hand. He's going, I got it. I have it. Verse eight, just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and he said this. Look, here, there's a young person with five barley loaves and two fish. But the response was this. But how far would that go in this big crowd? <laughs> I love that. You think that your portion, sometimes you think, well, my portion's just so small. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. He's just looking for you to do your part. You know, like when we give, like I know, like, you know what I'm so blessed by? I'm telling you, who I'm, I'm never blessed by the people that are like deeper in seasons of their life with the Lord and that they're big givers. I'm never impressed by that. You know what I'm impressed by? I'm always impressed by like the 20-somethings in our church. I'm impressed by the students in our church. 
and they have this little bit. They don't have a lot to give, but they'll give what they have to the Lord and go, Lord, I trust you with this. I give you my best. So impressed by that. Jesus is so impressive. He goes, I, I know it's only a little bit, but I'll work with that. <laughs> Didn't Jesus say, just the seed of a mustard seed, just the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains? He said, just give me a little bit. Give me a little faith. Give me some worship. Give me your heart. Give me a little bit. Verse 10, Jesus said, have everybody sit down. So on a vast grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. More than 5,000, right? Because it was 5,000 men and then the women and the children. And so this is just a massive, massive group of people. And it says this, Jesus then took the barley loaves and the fish and he gave thanks to God. Can I say this? Y'all don't know the power of thanksgiving. I'm gonna say it again. Y'all don't know the power of thanksgiving. We're actually gonna talk about it in the next couple weeks because there is explosive power released when you're grateful, when you're thankful. Listen, we have Jesus, the God of the universe, thanking the Father, saying, Lord, I thank you for these barley loaves. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your grace right now. I thank you for this moment with these people. God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're a God that multiplies. God, I thank you. When you release thanksgiving, you release the power of God. You don't know the power. Jesus, he thanks God. He blesses it. <laughs> then he gave it to the disciples to distribute. See, when the power and the blessing of God comes, it comes not for one, it comes for all. It comes for all. And it says this, miraculously, the food was multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. It was a God buffet. I, I, I'll put it this way. It was a God buffet without people breathing and coughing all over the food. Listen, if you want to bless me, don't take me to a buffet, okay? I, I'm like Bob in What About Bob, you know what I mean? Where he has like a, he's, he won't touch his things, you know what I mean? Because it's so, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, all these germs. I'm like that at a buffet. I'm like, ooh. I don't care how good this food looks like, man. There have been kids with their finger up their nose and then they touch the chicken and I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? This is a God buffet. I love this picture. They ate as much as they wanted. There was no limit, remember? <laughs> remember Philip? Remember Philip? Small-minded Philip? Little faith, Philip. Philip, that got, oh, maybe we could give them a snack. Maybe we could buy enough goldfish, Jesus. Maybe we could just have a little baggie of food, God. Maybe there was just a little bit that we could give them. Maybe, God. And God goes, nope. Everybody's going to eat as much as they want because that's what kind of God I am. Amen? That's what kind of God I am. But here's what's so crazy. 
I never saw this before. And I love these moments where the Holy Spirit reveals something to me. I've read this story. I've preached this story. I've known this story for, you know, so many years, decades. And I never saw this before. And then the Holy Spirit showed me this. He showed me the barley. The barley. <laughs> the barley loaves. Because do you know what? happens with barley in Israel, when the harvest comes, the barley is the first thing that comes in the harvest. So Jesus is taking the barley loaves. He's saying what? I am first. I am the first fruits. He's taking the fruit of the harvest, right? And Jesus is going, I am the first fruits of everything. I am the first of everything. I will lay down my life first. I will rise back again first. I am the first in everything. He takes the first. This is so important. Jesus gets the best of your time. He doesn't get the leftover of your time. Jesus gets the best of your affection. He gets the best of your, of your passion. He gets the best of your finances. He gets the best, why? Because he's first. He's first. And he takes what is first. Why? Because this is a picture. God is so cool. He's holding this barley loaf up and he's taking God for what? For his resurrection. He's thanking God that he would be the first to bring freedom and restoration and healing to all. He's holding up, it is a picture, it is a sign. He's holding up this bread that is a picture of Jesus and his victory. And then what does he do? He breaks it. <laughs> he breaks it. And then he what? He gives it. This is a picture of Jesus going, I'm gonna break myself and then I'm gonna give myself to many. I'm gonna give myself away. See, when Jesus is first, when Jesus is first, he will take what you can't multiply and he'll multiply it. Do you know he'll multiply your time? You're all worried about, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time in my days. I don't have enough time in my schedule. He'll multiply your time. All you moms and little kids, he'll multiply your time. Put him first. He'll multiply it. You know he'll multiply your energy, dads? You think, how am I going to work all day? How am I going to go through this? grueling week. I'm going to go through this grueling life. How am I going to handle all the pressure and the stress and the strain and then also have the grace and the energy to play with my kids and love my kids and, and, and to be with my kids and to be actually be present with them. He'll give you energy. He'll multiply it. You know that he'll multiply your efforts. You're so worried about getting to the next level in your job. You're so worried about getting to the next level in your career. You're so worried about the next step of your life. And God goes, I'll take you there if you'll put me first. And you don't have to strain and stress and worry about how to get there. I'll just, I'll multiply it. Do you know that God 
can multiply something in a moment that you've been struggling and straining for for decades? Verse 12, this is so good. When everybody was satisfied, I want to know how they determined that. Did they take a vote with 25,000 people? Is everybody full? Raise your hand if you're not, right? Some dude raises his hand. They're like, bro, you've had like five helpings. And he's like, I'm not satisfied. Jesus said everybody would be satisfied. I'm going to be satisfied, right? <laughs> Y'all get a picture of how I read the Bible, okay? When everybody was satisfied... Jesus says this, now go back and gather up the pieces left over so that nothing's wasted. Jesus hasn't wasted an ounce. He doesn't waste an ounce of your life. He doesn't waste an ounce of your struggle. He doesn't waste an ounce of, your, of, of the torment and the pain that you went through. Do you know that all of the torment and the pain that I went through in my childhood, God never wasted an ounce, never wasted a moment that he's used it for his glory in this season of my life to help people. He never wastes a thing in your life. There's never one moment, one situation ever wasted for his glory. And he says, hey, go gather them up. And so, so they gather these baskets. Now, I can't tell you how much bread and fish you could put in this basket. But here's what I know. You could put a lot in this basket. A lot. And they went through and they picked up a little bit over here, and they picked up a little bit over here, and they picked up a little bit over here, and they picked up a little bit over here, and when they were all done, there was 12 baskets. The Bible says what? One for every disciple. Jesus was burning this into their mind, burning this into their spirit, burning this into their soul. I am the God who provides more than enough if you will worship me first. If you will put me first, I will multiply what you cannot. I will do what you cannot in your own strength, in your own grace, in your own effort. I will do it. And when it's done, you will have leftover. Why will you have leftover? So that you can be blessed to be a blessing. God never blesses just for you. He blesses for everyone around you. Why don't you stand up this morning? Come on, I want you to raise your hands high to heaven. Come on, I want you to put some praise, some worship, some thanksgiving on your lips this morning.